Hi and welcome back to another episode of my podcast, another cliche podcast. Every week I will be covering a cliche with a guest and go over uh, whether or not we feel it holds any truth to the life experiences we have with regards to maybe your career, education, or personal life. And today my guest is Sarah Singh. Welcome. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It's a little warm in this room. It's like a sauna in this room, to be honest. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, so what cliche did you want to talk about today? Um, I think I'm going to address the topic of the grass is always greener on the other side. Ooh, that could be taken in so many different directions. Um, so which way are you going to go about it with this cliche? I think I'm going to talk about myself and my own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was born with a disability. Um, I was diagnosed with CP when I was six months old. Let's let's, uh, define that for people out there. Good idea. Good idea. Good idea. So CP stands for cerebral palsy. It's a disability that affects your muscles. Um, and so it affects your extremities. So it's either it affects your left side, your right side, um, your lower half, so like just your legs, or like your upper half, so like your arms. Um, so for me, my my CP affects my right side. And Sarah and I are actually friends. We are. So <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. Um, but. I feel like because, that's a more complicated because, story. Because we're <laughs> letting it on. How complicated? Okay, but um. When I first met her, and actually because this isn't on video and you can't see her, it's she's wouldn't be considered visible. You wouldn't Not be able at to all. tell. Not at all. Like um, a lot of people with CP, it really depends on like what your diagnosis is. But some people with CP, they use a wheelchair. Some people with CP, they use a walker. Some people with CP, they use a cane. Mm-hmm. Um, but me, myself, my whole life, I've never used an assistive device at all. Um, so I, I did a lot of, uh, physical therapy. I did a lot of occupational therapy. I did a lot of speech therapy. I did a lot of therapies growing up. Um, and so if you walked past me, like you would never be able to tell that I had cerebral palsy unless I like sat down and told you, um, And the story, and the story of how you got it itself is just that's that's a whole that's a whole other thing. That and that's a long story. A background of like uh, basically CP comes about when there's a lack of oxygen at birth. Um, at birth. And that's kind of a summary of yeah about of a which, long story, which is a very long story. But yes, I just my mom had a doctor that was. I say, frankly, an idiot, and my oh, I mo- agree. 100%. <laughs> and my mom, and it goes into a lot of other things, misogyny, racism. There's a lot of things going on there. But my mom had a different doctor who she discussed all of her like medical information about her pregnancy, um, and she, that doctor was away the weekend that I was born. I was a little premature. I was like a week premature, um, and that doctor. You were a little overexcited. <laughs> I was yeah, a little. I was a little excited. You know, like, it seemed like fun. I. Uh, there was a lot of things going on. I was really long as a baby, so I didn't have a lot of room in my mom. Um, and so from that, they discussed with her that she needs to have a C-section. Um, and so the weekend that I was born, the doctor wasn't there. And so she had this 
substitute doctor, she said to this doctor, I discussed with my original doctor that I need a C-section. And so this doctor, apparently on this long weekend, there was a lot of other pregnant women there along with my mother. So he wanted all of these women to basically hold the baby till he was ready for them to give birth. So like I said, that's a whole slew of problems over there. Mm -hmm. Um, So this method just really wasn't working for me and my mom. Um, and so it got to the point where she was saying like, Hey, like I need a C-section right now. And they were like, C-section, just give birth naturally right here, right now. And so for a lot of reasons, I was in a breech position. I was just, she was older. There was a lot of issues like within the pregnancy of why she couldn't give birth naturally. So my mom really, she wasn't able to say anything. So she was trying to give birth naturally, um, And it was like an hours long process. Like she got to the hospital at like, I think it was about like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, And I wasn't born until like 6 p.m. So they literally had her pushing for that like six, seven hours. So the culmination of this whole situation was that my mom was pushing and she got, she went into heart failure. Okay, I'm going to adopt. <laughs> I've decided. So she she um she got into heart failure, and then the doctors were like, "Oh my God, we need to do something." Yeah, of course. Um, and so they cut her open, oh. um, from side to side, and they took me out, and they rushed me to sick kids, like run. Um, and so while they were running to sick kids, but this whole process took about ten minutes. Um, so since this process took about 10 minutes, that meant that I was not breathing for those 10 minutes. Yeah, you weren't getting oxygen. I wasn't getting any oxygen. So here now we like have to hold our breath for like one minute underwater. Imagine holding it for 10 and like being like... Holy shoot, that's... (laughs) And being like... So scary. And being like two minutes old. Um, so they rushed me to sick kids. Um, and so when they rushed me to sick kids, you know, sick kids tried to do everything they could have done. Um, and so they hooked me up and they hooked me up to oxygen. And I, I never really gotten too much into the medical side of it, but I just know that they, they did everything they could. Um, and so, and, and, and my mom was at St. Joe's, so they were doing everything they could for my mom as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of us were really in a very, like, both of us basically almost died. Um, and so once I got to, to Sick Kids, they revived me and I was alive. And, you know, that was that was great. But then um, because of those 10 minutes that I wasn't breathing, it caused a lot of brain damage. Um, and so it affected the area of my brain that um, caused my memory. And so... That was for the doctors at the time, medically, there's a lot of different aspects to the story, but medically mm-hmm. what it was, was that um, they even said to my mom that like, you should really consider disconnecting because I was on oxygen. Oh. And so they said, you should really disconnect because she's going to be a vegetable her whole life. She's not going to be able to walk. She's not going to be able to talk. She's not going to be able to live a whole fantastic life that we all live of the life of going to school and getting an office job that's they said oh the I life wasn't of a normie <laughs> so so they said you're not she's never going to be able to have that life so you should consider disconnecting me from oxygen 
Um, and like I said, there's lots of different aspects of the story. Oh um, my gosh. Well, look at you now. Look <laughs> I'm, at you now. So I'm a Christian. I've been Christian my whole life. And so my mom, she said to the doctors, like, that goes against my beliefs. And they were like, well, whatever happens, basically they said to her, whatever happens after this point is on you. And she was like, okay, fine. So all of this is happening about six months later because the doctors were all too scared to tell my mom because they thought she was going to sue because at the end of the day, this was really the doctor's fault. Like prior to me being born, like everything oh, was normal. A hundred percent. A hundred percent that was a misjudgment on yeah. their call. Exactly. And it's shocking that they've probably been in practice for so long and to slip up like that is scary. For sure. And... You know, so basically for me growing up, uh, I did a lot of um, physical therapy, occupational Mm -hmm. therapy, speech therapy, um, because my mom, her whole idea was like, I want her life to be as normal, quote unquote, as possible. But who defines that? Right. But for her, she was like, she said, if I can make her as independent as possible, that's what I want to do. What really happened was it was a slip up. I because so because of my brain injury, I had a seizure. And so my parents panicked and they went to the emergency and um, they, so the doctor said to them, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And they were like, I'm here because my child had a seizure mm-hmm. and I would like your help. And the doctor said, well, didn't the doctors tell you that this is what's going to happen? Like she has a brain injury. Why didn't anyone tell you? And they were like, We've never been told that she has a brain injury. And they were like, you should really need to, you really need to have like a conversation with your pediatric doctor about like ASAP. Um, And so, uh, so then we went back to our pediatric doctor and my mom said to him like, listen, if you're going to do this, we really need to be able to trust each other. And I can't trust you right now if you're not telling me the truth about my child. Yeah. Um, And so from there, that's when they were they told us the truth we got connected but at this point I'm already six months old so my mom's already concerned about like if she's had a brain injury for the six months how is she developing how is she you know like what's going to happen now if like we've basically lost those six months so as soon as those six months as soon as she knew at six months we got connected with the Easter Seals Society we got connected with Ontario Federation for Stereo Policy um, which is OFCP. Shout out. Shout out to OFCP. <laughs> hey, OFCP. Um, yeah, so we got con- connected with a lot of services and they really focused on um, just like helping my mom. Uh, helping my mom help me um, okay. is a good way to say it. So like it was just kind of about how support. to connect. Support. Yeah, yeah, just how to connect to like a social worker, how to connect to OT and PT and if I need any kind of medications because at the time I was really having I was having a lot of seizures Mm -hmm. so I needed um, seizure medication um, which I'm not on anymore but at the time I was on seizure medication Um, and so it there was a lot of obstacles along the way I mean like I so then go growing up and going through um, like you said all the therapies you had to do going through all the support system and all that just like I guess being a kid or going through maybe even your preteen years all that is already hard so with that added on bringing the cliche back in mind did you uh, 
think like wow if only like the grass is greener on the other side if only things were different well um i think i thought those in two ways so first of all i so i was out of school i'm so i'm brown i'm from guyana shout out to guyana i went to school in an area with a lot of indian people and so um like indians from india and they were all very competitive about school and it was all about who can do the best who can, you know, who can get the highest mark, who can get, you know, the A, the B, the who can get 100%. That was, that was how they put value on you. 100%. Right? It was it was about can you get 100% on your spelling test and you're like six and you're spelling like cat and dog and like the hardest <laughs> word you're spelling is like tulips, you know what I mean? So like it was like it was all about, you know, the how well you were or how smart you were. And so um, as I grew up, a lot of kids knew that I went to quote-unquote communications, which was how my uh, primary school uh, referred to special ed. Okay. So a lot of kids would kind of look at me and be like, ooh, like you go to special ed, like you're stupid. Um, and kids are mean. Kids, kids are mean. Kids are mean. Honestly, that's that was that summarizes the first like twelve years of my life where kids were mean. <laughs> oh um, so this so basically in this time it was just a lot of people. The people who were friends with me were just kind of like, well, you're smart and you talk really well, so why do you go to communications? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, growing up with a disability, it's kind of like. I went through a lot of different phases and, you know, being six or seven, like I, you don't really understand your disability and especially me, like not, you know, not um, being visible, not being visible. Yeah. That was a whole different thing. Right. Because even if I hung out with kids with a disability, it was hard because sometimes the kids with a disability would um, use wheelchairs, use mobility devices. Mm -hmm. And then I wouldn't. And even for them, it was kind of like, well, if you have a disability why don't you use a wheelchair and then I was getting the same thing from the other side with the kids without a disability who were like well if you have a disability how come you can talk how come you can walk so like I I got the worst of both worlds so I couldn't fit in with the people with the disability oh and I couldn't gosh. fit I couldn't fit in with the regular people too right so it was kind of like who am I who, who am I? I'm not yeah. I'm not regular enough to be a regular person, but I'm not disabled enough, you gotta say, to be with like the people with a disability. Between. And honestly, that's what it was for me. It was an in-between. It was I have to make my own path all the time. And oh. let's be clear to the audience right now. Thank you for addressing <laughs> that because yeah. as a disability studies major, I would just like to say that I hate it when people group together the experience yeah. of a minority group. Oh my gosh. Just because... Yeah. Two different people have disabilities. It doesn't mean that they had the exact same experiences. Yeah, like I've I've had friends who were, you know, like white people and their experience was very different from mine. I had experiences with people who were of color and had a disability and their experiences were very different from mine too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just so many different facets. Too. Yeah, there's and there was a lot of different things that went into that. Like it was kind of like, well, you know, you should be smarter than this, or you're just lazy and your mother enabled you, which is something somebody told me when I was like seven. Oh so like so it's a bit of a skip ahead but what happened was that um my mom was really adamant about me not being in a segregated class for kids with disabilities 
um, she wanted me to be in like a regular stream school where like I was just learning with with a bunch of kids without disabilities. Yeah. Um, so she was very passionate about that. We even where I live right now, mm-hmm. the reason I live in the house I live in was because she wanted me to go to the elementary school that's close by. Oh. So what happened there was that um, she looked at a crazy number of schools. Like, I don't remember. It was like 30 different elementary schools um, when I was going into kindergarten. And so she landed on the one that she landed on because um, it was only one floor. So it was supposed to be made to be um, an accessible school mm-hmm. for kids with disabilities. So she That's thought, pretty cool. Yeah, okay. it was. So it was, and it was made in like the 50s or 60s, but it was just wow. one flat, like, so there was only one hall um, that was like straight down and then one that was like to the right. Mm-hmm. And so, and it just went on for like a while, but there was no stairs, no nothing. So it was just supposed to be accessible. So she finally landed on that school um, when I was turning four, but we lived basically in an area that was like a little bit outside of the area for that school. So the first crazy thing my parents ever did was they bought a house just so I could go to that school. They bought a house that was in that area um, because... My mom would go to these schools and say, like, I have a child with a disability. And they'd be like, no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't take that here. Sorry, bye. But my mom's thinking was, well, if I buy a house that's in the school's area. They can't say no. They can't say no. Yeah. So she bought a house. Um, (laughs) Your mom is such a boss. What a boss. (laughs) She bought a house. And so, and I mean, I think she kind of thought of, like, there was a different, a couple of different logistic things, like, um, the house was bigger, there was extra room, there was Mm -hmm. extra space, but the main reason was really so I could get into that school. Um, And so I got into that school and, you know, they promised me the world, you know, they said I would get all the accommodations I need, that would be no problem, that'd be so easy. And then you end up with peers judging you from both both (laughs) sides. sides. So it's like when you you take that cliche in mind, grass is always greener on the other side, you're like, which side? There was no side. There was no, I I wasn't on a side. I was always in no man's land. Like, that's a good way to put it is that I was always in no man's land. There there was side A, there was side B, and there was me walking in the middle, back and forth, back and forth, being like, I'm lost, I have no place. I am Stitch, I am Stitch, where he was like, help, I am lost, I have no home. That was me my whole life. Um, And so it was, yeah, it was hard because, and, you know, even having CP, like, I always had issues with, like, my weight and stuff, and it was because, like, I couldn't, like, run as fast or things like that. Like that so I had problems in gym because no one wanted to pick me because I was slow I had problems in math because I wouldn't understand I have problems making friends because I was like awkward and that's something that perpetuated throughout my life I'm currently 25 hello um and I'm still like single and I have no friends so <laughs> I'm offended we literally just said we're friends in the beginning we're still friends we're friends that was just always a problem for me it was like I was never it took me a long time to be like the popular girl and like the girl who had a lot of friends I was just like the weird slow fat kid you know what I mean and so that and that was hard right like being with peers I mean even with adults like looking back on it it was adults too who didn't understand like I remember being in second grade and I had everything documented in terms of my disability and I had a teacher talk to my mom and say I don't think your child has a disability 
I think you just enable her and that she's lazy and that you're lazy and you're not a good parent. So that's why we all have to accommodate her and I'm not going to accommodate her. And I was like, and like, imagine fighting all these things when you're seven. Like, like I didn't have an understanding of my disability when I was seven. Like it took me years to get to that point. But like being seven, it was just kind of like, I want to make people happy. And that's that's upsetting too, because like you said, you're not understanding it. So the only thing you do understand is how you're feeling. Exactly. You're feeling out of place. Yeah, I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm feeling like I have no friends. I'm feeling like I'm never going to be good enough for my family i'm never going to be good enough for my friends i'm never going to be good enough for my school and family on that note it was i was growing up at the time with two gifted sisters i had one sister who was gifted in the arts and she was going to esa um and i had another sister who was gifted academically and so she was going to the local school she was going to martin grove um and that was the school for the gifted and my parents were always so proud of of them and even growing up I think deep down it was kind of like well are they proud of me what what did I do to make them proud of me I did nothing what like did you I can't do? help but compare exactly and you know I'm I'm seven and like my sisters are like 16 and so like my other sister would have been if I was seven she was like 19 my other sister she was seven if I was seven she was like what now she was like 15 or so she was in grade 10 and you know she was in the gifted program my mom was super proud about that and it's just kind of like well what am I what am I doing to make my parents proud that's something that always kind of perpetuated for me um and so yeah like it was just kind of like what I I need to be as good at school I need to be good at at everything just because my sisters were and those were just skills that I didn't have (laughs) like looking back at it when I was like at 25 it's like you know my muscles are weak I have bad coordination like no I'm not going to be good at basketball no I'm not going to be good at soccer like and I also have a memory in the zero to three percentile if if you know psychology at, at what point at what point did you kind of come to this like yeah like like no I'm not going to be the greatest at basketball or the greatest at soccer. And I'm okay with that. Like when, when did you reach that point where it's like, so like this, this is just the reality. This is me. And and you know, and honestly, to be fair, soccer is just a game. (laughs) Right. I'm like, what does it matter? Like, who am I going to be Ronaldo? Like, bro, like I ain't going to know Brazil. Like after that. Anyways, yeah. so so we're fa- big fast forward. Basically, I went through elementary school. Um, I went through high school. And the important part about high school for me was that a lot of people said to me, well, because you have a learning disability, you need to extend your time in high school and you need to graduate in five years. Take a lower course load and just kind of, you know, coast through and get and do high school in five years. And Did they think you could get into post-secondary? That was a okay. So the big deal about that was that I said, and it was going back to my sisters. I said that I wanted to go to university, and I constantly grew up with people telling me, "Sarah, you're never going to be able to get into university. You're you don't have the skills to do that. You need to go to college. A college is a better option." Look at you now. (laughs) Look at me now. I mean, well, (laughs) 
<laughs> at this present time. But I mean, hey, like I so, but and you know what? Even saying that, it's like that's part of things that are ingrained in me. It's just kind of. I went to so all of those things ingrained in me so much. I did apply to college after grade twelve, and right now, like today, that is my biggest regret. I'm being completely going honest. Going to college, why? So my whole life, I wanted to go to university, and I said to people, "I want to go to university. University has always been my goal." Um, and I had psychologists. I had. I had. Doctors. I had teachers. I had a whole lot of people telling me, "Sarah, you're not smart enough to go to to university. You are just you don't have the skills. You don't have the capacity. You don't have the intelligence." Colleges kind of had like an agreement with all these people in these boards, and they would constantly say, "We have so many accommodations for you." So. We can accommodate you. We can give you all types of supports, and this is why going to college would be so fantastic for you because we can give you everything you need. So in grade twelve,、um, I had a whole lot of scrambling in terms of what I wanted to do with a career. At the last second, I was always interested in creative writing,、um, and at the last second, I said I don't want to do that. I I actually had. We don't need to get into it, but I had a bad experience with the teacher, and so I really wanted to do、uh, disability studies, and so I wanted to go to Ryerson for their program, and to go to Ryerson, I needed to do a college diploma. So it all came full circle. I spent my whole life saying I don't want to go to college, and then all of a sudden, at the twelfth hour, I was ready to apply to college. So at this point, I was taking university courses in high school. Um, and even that was a fight, but I did them, and so. What your marks good? They were. I'll be really honest. They were pretty good. Like、oh, nice. I was, I was at a good like seventy, seventy five average. Okay. And I proved those counselors wrong. Yeah, I was at a good. And like looking back on it now, like I was like I probably could have applied to university out、oh, of high school. Once I said I was ready to apply to college, there was all many doors open for me. All of a sudden, I applied to. So I was really trying to get into the DSW program. Um, because that would have given me the prereqs to go to university for disability studies. Makes sense. Makes sense. So that stood for developmental services worker. So that was a diploma to work with people with developmental disabilities. So for me, they said the grass is greener on the other side in terms of college because they said you'll get so many supports, you'll get so many of this, you'll get so much of that. It was the land of milk and honey, right? College. So milk and honey. <laughs> so I so it was all about college is so much better than university because you can get specialized attention. You there's so many less people there. It's less confusing. The campus is smaller, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. So um so I said to them, okay, and because now I'm interested in this DSW program, yes, I'm going to apply to college. So I apply to college and. As part of this, so I also went to disability services at, at some of these schools, and so they were also telling me about all the wonderful supports that I can access as a student with a disability. So, 
I visit the one that I attended and I, and you know, they, they sounded really good. I could have gotten note takers. I could have gotten peer support. I could have gotten access to a, to a counselor. I could have gotten my textbooks into PDF form so I didn't have to carry them around. Oh, but were they free? No. Ah. I still had to pay. I could have gotten a reduced tuition if I took longer than the program said it was going to take. I had so many things up my sleeve. I could have gotten a bursary for kids with disabilities, for students with disabilities through OSAP. I could have gotten, and the list goes on and on and on, if you come to our school, right? It sounds like Let's Make a Deal, or it sounds like one of those fantastic shows. And, you know, I was 17, and my I fell for it. I fell for it all. I get there and they're all about, okay, you need to have an updated um, psych assessment. You need to have this, you need to have that to, to, for, for you to register to, for people with disabilities. Okay, cool, cool. So I get my, I get an updated psych assessment and I give it to them. And at this point, my mom is still very involved in my life. And they said, if I wanted to disclose any information to her. I needed to write a letter to, to say that I um, give her permission. So I write the letter. I give them the letter. And they say, okay, cool, no problem. Great, everything sounds good, right? So I get this counselor. And I, I've i always had issues with transition. So transitioning to a new place, um, transitioning. Even when I was in high school, to backtrack to that. Like just getting lost or finding your classes or in general so just even being in a new place um just kind of yes finding my my way to new classes and stuff that was an issue but also just getting used to like new surroundings um was an issue for me so it was just about like being in a new place I just felt really uncomfortable I had to go into different buildings to find my classes um which was a struggle so and so it even and it becomes more of a struggle when your disability counselor is says to you come see me so for me it was just a new place a new office to find in a new building in a place that i can't find well i'm still trying to see me if you can find me (laughs) exactly it it was like playing hide and seek like like what was my major like play school games anyways so so it was just another stress to deal with uh, on top of having all this extra work and trying to organize myself with school and so I had a lot of trouble because I really wasn't getting my accommodations because I wasn't seeing the disability counselor. Um, So I had, I struggled a lot academically. So when I was struggling academically, I found the time to go back to her and say, hey, I need help because I'm having struggles in these areas. What, What can we do? And I get this big, huge, overdramatic goal about oh you should have come to me earlier blah 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 we should have done this we could have done this when this was happening but since you didn't come that's not available to us now you didn't do that you didn't do that and it was just a big yelling session at me about how I did everything wrong and I was thinking to myself if we're supposed to be a team and you're telling me all this wonderful things about what you're able to do why is it now everything is my fault and so at the end of this big discussion about how everything was my fault, you know what she said to me? You should come see me more often. 
why am I gonna come see you more often if all you do is yell at me? So in my head, I remember thinking to myself, if I wanna feel terrible about myself, you're number one on that list, my friend. So I was alone. At the end of the day, I was I was 18. I had just transitioned into post-secondary school and I was alone. I had no one to help me and I was struggling immensely. And the one good part about this was because the teachers that I had were trained to work with people with disabilities, they were able to help me in that sense. But really them helping me was just kind of like out of the goodness of their heart, right? Like they were just taking on a whole lot of extra work that wasn't their work to do. It was really disability services work and that wasn't part of their job. So they were just going above and beyond, you gotta say. And so those years, I really struggled. A two-year program that I was supposed to be in took me four. And how does that feel to the girl who worked so hard to get her high school diploma in four years? Like, I really wanted to graduate from college. And during this time, I realized, you know, I never really wanted to go to college in the first place. How did I even end up here? Um, oh, because you wanted to go, go to, to university. Program at Ryerson, right? But then I was, I just kind of said to myself, you know, I'm, I'm 20. I should have just gone to university in the first place, right? Like when I turned 18, I should have just done what all my friends did. I should have just gone to university, you know, moved out. I didn't move out at that point. I was still living with my parents. Ah, so right now you're using that cliche when you're like, I should have done this. I should. It sounds like you're saying the grass was greener on the other side. The grass was green. For me, it was all about the grass was greener on the other side. So how do you feel about it in terms of if someone were to ask you, does it hold truth? Do you agree with this or disagree? You know, to be honest, I think that's a really hard question because I think for me, a lot of it goes back to... You think it is greener on the other side? No, I think it goes back to what we tell people. Because for me, people with disabilities, it's you're always told that the golden standard is being quote-unquote normal. The more quote-unquote normal you are, the more your disability doesn't affect you. That's why it was so wonderful for people for me to say, I have cerebral palsy, but I don't use a wheelchair. I don't use a walker. I never use any of those devices because it was all about, wow, look how quote-unquote normal you are. Wow, you can talk. Look how like how normal that is. That's amazing that you're so successful. The normalness was always attached to how successful you are and how little your disability affects you. But that mm-hmm. wasn't true. I still had a disability. I still wake up every day with cerebral palsy. Even though I walk, I still get tired. Even though I... It sounds like at the end of the day, uh, it was all kind of the environment you're around and how it affects your perception sure. yeah. of yourself and your capabilities. And going back to that, it was kind of like while I was in high school, for example, I was surrounded with a lot of people who used wheelchairs and that was part of their everyday life. And, you know, even I kind of got the assumption of, well, you know, with a wheelchair, you can always build a ramp and you can always 
work in an elevator and, and build an elevator and you can always do those things and they're accommodated and that's great. But for me, it was about a lot of the things I needed were about cooperation. And I always thought the grass was greener on the other side for these people in wheelchairs, but I'm they oh, of course that's very interesting right because you don't hear that a lot you don't because because what happens is that in society you as soon as you think about a person with a disability as much as we don't want to talk about it we think about a person in a wheelchair or we think about a person who uses an assistive device so even for me when I walk up to someone and I say I have a disability it's shocking they're like, prove it. <laughs> yeah, literally. And prove I've it. been through and I felt like those issues that I had in school and the issues that I had in my life were just kind of, yeah, it was like, prove it. You know, it's like when you go to someone who speaks a different language and like you say to them, say something and you instantly forget every single word that you know. It was the same thing. It was like how and what did that mean? Right. For me as a person with a disability, how do I prove to you that I have a disability I can't, what am I showing you? I can't show you anything, right? Like, it's, I'm me. I am who I am. And like I said, it took me 18 years to be able to say that. I am who I am. And I can't be any different. Like, I walk, I talk, I do these things. Tell them you are who you are. I am who I am. And for me, there's no, and I'm not saying that, I'm better than somebody who who doesn't who uses a wheelchair because I don't use a wheelchair. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that my experiences are very different than somebody who used a wheelchair. And for me, I always felt like yes, there was a lot of struggle in having an invisible disability because I faced all these barriers that other people didn't. And it was like, well, sometimes the people with disabilities, the, with physical disabilities, it would only be the physical disability, right? So they weren't having the same issues I was having with learning. They weren't having the same issues I was having with memory. It was just, you know, they needed the automatic door. They needed the extra space. They needed, you know, a, a desk that didn't have a chair attached so they could just go right in. Yeah. I'm sure maybe they have faced, like, those social... Yeah. Those social barriers, yeah. right? And it, it was about... A lot of, I'm sure there was experiences that were shared, but even for me, that's why I was saying I was in this limbo because I there were some areas of my life I really couldn't associate with the people with with wheel who used wheelchairs because I couldn't relate to their experiences. But in some ways, I couldn't relate to the people who didn't have disabilities. I couldn't relate to their experiences either. Yeah, and so it was just kind of who can I relate to the most at this specific moment in my life at this stage at this stage it's who can I who how can I relate to the people with disabilities how can I relate to the people without them and that was really hard oh my gosh thank you so much for doing this episode problem um just your point of view is so rare I guess to hear from and For and sure. I really appreciate you coming no out problem. and filming an episode no. uh, and thank you to you the audience for listening and stay tuned for my next podcast I'm excited thanks for having me thanks bye for now. bye